0: The Big Footy Port Adelaide Podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision.
1: My team, Kanda, power.
0: I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone, and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide Podcast. Coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. I am your host, Macca Nineteen, and joining us, as always, is Rick. How are you, mate?
1: Hey, Macker, I'm good. What
0: about you? Good, buddy. How's the squash going?
1: Uh, well, I don't play squash, but watching the squashes uh, sweat, it was um, yeah, they looked like they were working out really hard. What about you? How's your gin and squash going?
0: Gin and squash. I've only got the waters tonight, mate. So, uh, yes, yeah, nice cool glass of water. It's uh, it's lovely. Ah. It's wonderful. And joining us as well is Portia.
2: Hello, I'm not at a squash court.
0: <laughs> that's good. That is very yep. good. <laughs> Would
2: you like fair. to why expand not? on that? Or, should,
1: yeah, why not? Everyone should Everyone should be at a squash court.
2: Mm. Well, I'm not because I'm not a squash person. So there you go. You're not a squash person. I, I know it's setting the side down, but that's there's just, there's just who I am. I'm just not a squash person.
1: <laughs> I used to love squash, but it's not very good for your names.
0: Yeah, squash is great. Love it.
2: It's a good game. Yeah. Nice big can of solo.
0: Hmm. Right, let's, get, a into a let's
1: yeah. get into it, guys. Let's get into it and into? talk
0: about, I guess, the big news, which was that um, after all the uh, um, he said, she said sort of stuff, Ken Hinckley does actually extend for three years. So, how do we feel about that?
2: Not great. <laughs>
1: um, oh, cheer up, Porsche. Could be worse. Michael Boss
2: could be our head coach. Well, I mean, it always could be worse. For me it just sort of like it's not great in my view. Um but as long as we make him draft with our draft picks for the next four years, then we'll come out of it with a good side. So mm. um that that's really mm. all it is for me that we, if we draft if we keep out if we make sure that we don't have a net outgoing of um decent draft picks in each of the years that he's still around. Um, then we'll, no matter what happens, we'll end up with a good list. Um, but we need to focus on forwards this year. Yeah,
1: so well, Parker I... has been relatively good this year, uh, last year, so don't you think?
2: Oh, yeah. I've got no issue with how we've been drafting in recent years, but we need to continue and not have another couple of years where we trade away first-round picks for you know players to perform instantly. Yeah. Um, particularly right mm-hmm. now. like if, if we suddenly did that this year where we traded out more draft picks or we didn't get back in the draft this year, um, when Ken's got four years left... And if we did it next year, even, that'd be terrible. Um, mm. Yeah, no, I don't want any more quick solutions. We've got to, we've got to draft him in. And if we do that, then it's bearable. I can't help but feel that um,
0: that uh, the club has kind of blinked a bit in this. I think, you know, they got a little bit yeah. threatened by Gold Coast and they've they've blinked and given him a, probably a year too long um, and probably uh, signed him up a, a little bit too early as well, I think.
2: What? Well, When we had that interview with KT last year, um, we talked about how uh, the only way that you change a situation where you're offering super long contracts to people is by occasionally pushing back. Um, And it looks like we're not doing that yet. Yeah. So
0: Mm.
1: that's
2: disappointing. That's disappointing. Um, Is that a bit
1: of an inferiority complex?
2: uh, Might be. I think it's probably more of a desire to retain stability as opposed to chase success um which is probably rough but that's where i see it i think that's probably where a lot of people say it um yeah. stability is more mm. important than success
0: i'll tell you what the melts mm. are going to be wonderful if uh if we start the year sort of zero 03 or something like that and uh it's it's going to be a lot of melting on big footy that's for sure um, oh, but look yeah, maybe. I, overall i feel like um i'm happy for him to stay on i, I do feel like we um quite possibly will be successful next year I do think we'll improve Um, and I do think we'll hopefully keep drafting um, some really nice players which we've done over the last two to three years Uh, and if that keeps going then I don't really have much wrong with him staying on for another four years in theory but it's time that he and the club and the players just really need to deliver something next year
1: yes they well, they need to deliver consistency, don't
2: they they oh, do they need they need to deliver forward structure, that's what they need more than anything else mm. like if if you know if if Ryder and Dixon are even ten percent less than they were this year, then next year's going to be awful
0: mm. yeah, but I think we'll gain at least ten percent from other players as well so.
2: Oh, I think what in the in right the way. forward line? In the forward line? In the ruck? Like those are the yeah. positions I'm talking about.
0: In the oh. forward line, I definitely think we'll um see improvement from guys like Marshall. Hopefully, someone like Sam Gray will continue to improve as well. I think we've got I doubt that. um well to suggest that this is the best that it's going to get. I don't think is is correct at all, to be honest.
2: I think that I think that the fact that um the two players in the positions we have the least depth both performed extremely well this year. So if if you just spin the wheel, if either of those go down or they have a terrible year, then that's going to have an disproportionately uh, large impact on our side, as opposed to if we you know lose a half back flanker for a year, like that's sure, just that's just you naturally can that in any balance time. Pretty much every
0: single club except for Adelaide, yeah. really,
1: or GWS. Oh,
2: yeah, GWS or or like, there's going to be more. Um, yeah. You know,
0: like what this. You? If you're so looking that's, at that's oh, two okay. out of eighteen, eh?
2: what <laughs> What about, what about Richmond? Are. They've got a couple, haven't they? A couple
0: what they've forwards? got, Jack Rewalt and no one. That's their key forward. Okay. Yeah. I
2: don't know. I have to go. Look, I didn't didn't study up on this, but I guarantee if you ladder if you ladder tall forwards at clubs, um, Port is not top eight.
1: No. Well, we top, we all know, we down, we all know yeah?
2: that. So we that means that. if you have a, if you have a loss in that position, it's going to have a greater impact. Because yeah, well, we're we've talking got, about got less depth there.
1: We're talking about twenty percent growth next year. That's what Macca was saying. So yeah, but if it's assume, in the wrong areas, it won't help. You know. But you'd assume you'd, you'd assume Marshall's going to grow by twenty percent next year because he's only played three games. And <laughs> and, Fra- and you'd, you'd assume Frampton's going to uh, improve gonna by twenty percent on his base of zero. So there's twenty percent growth there. And uh, <laughs> if we recruit if we recruit Motlop, well, there's a for significant amount of a boost over say a Jake need Yeah, he can play uh, on stilts. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's but that's formulating <laughs> an increase in our forward line structure, though, isn't
2: it? Not really, not until you start talking key position forwards.
1: Well, I just mentioned two. <laughs> what I I mentioned... <laughs> No,
2: Marshall and Frampton. Frampton's a ruckman, isn't
0: he? I, th- I Frampton he will be spending more ruck. time up forward than he will in the ruck.
2: Okay. Yeah. So sure. cool. Okay, so we've got three games between our, our next two players behind Dixon. Cool, got it.
0: Yeah. Got it. As Understand. I said, name cool. me more than two clubs in the AFL who will be able to lose their number one key forward and not struggle because All right. pretty much every single club, except for the and Crows, struggle, who have and an struggle, abnormally and large less than us. amount of key forwards, would struggle.
2: And sure. struggle I'd less say, than us is the qualifier, and I'll have an answer for you on Monday.
1: How's that? I'd, I'd say West Coast. I'd say G, GWS. I'd say Adelaide. Um, there's three off the top of my head.
0: Honestly, I think we could lose Dixon and still make the eight because I think we've got a better-than-average small forward line, to be honest. Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love your optimism, macker well, it, I remember at the start really, of the year that uh, that Porsche actually demanded that we had a small forward line this year because that would be our best chance of success in making finals this year.
2: Well, I mean, ah. that, was just re- that was realism, wasn't it? <laughs> at that point, you know, <laughs> that, that we had Dixon and small forwards and guess what we did? Um you hey, know, but you made the final. But,
1: but you know what? Hey, you, you, weren't far, Dixon. you weren't far off though because look at Richmond.
2: Mm.
1: Richmond are doing very well from it.
2: Yeah, well, because just... the press here, so the press is suited to that style to some extent. But yeah, the top, well, top sides, mostly you've got the more key forwards.
1: Yes. <laughs> but Richmond's a top side, right?
2: Yeah, I, I wonder how long they'll last. How long do you reckon they'll last?
1: I don't think they'll care if they win the grand final.
2: Do you think they'll get to the grand final? Uh, yeah, I think so.
0: To win it, they're playing at their home ground against the team that hasn't done anything before. So... I think they're definitely a fair as fair a chance of making the grand final um, as what GWS are.
2: Okay. I can wait two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to yeah, continue other, this discussion in two weeks' time, there's no problem.
1: Yeah, but if they make the grand final, what they've done is vindicated. <laughs> what? They made the grand final and they're then they've put themselves in a fifty fifty percent chance of winning the grand final. I mean so well, they're like stra- us in two thousand seven. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's not our... It's, you know, it's just our fault that we butchered the bloody final. Yeah, you know, we could have at least clogged it and tried to restrict the, the floodplates. But, you know, we've spoken about it. Choco's brought it up and all that the aesthetics of the hey, game, all that bullshit. But... You know uh, what? You know what? You've got to make the grand final, though.
2: You know what? We can discuss all this in two weeks, but for now, I suppose we've got to show in some questions to answer. <laughs> Do we? Because, <laughs> honestly, much. there's nothing... Yeah. There's That's nothing either fair. of us, any of us can say right now other than, oh, well, you know, they might. And we can only, have to wait. You only have to wait two weeks. It's not a season, it's two weeks. So let's just mm. wait two weeks and have the discussion.
1: Well, do, we, do you think is there a forward out there that we can recruit, like a backup forward?
0: I have strong doubts. Mm. I think we'll probably look to the draft again and pick another key forward in the draft, to. to be honest. We kind of have to. yeah anyway, this is great yeah. um let's move on and discuss the uh the reason for this podcast so we're we're going to go through our player reviews uh, over the next couple of weeks and um, the first batch of players is titled the leaders so we'll be looking through the leadership group seeing if they did their job this year seeing how they performed can they improve next year and uh, obviously the first player off the uh off the rank is our captain travis Boak who's uh twenty nine years old he played twenty two games this year kicked nineteen goals. Averaged 22.5 disposals, 3 inside 50s and 3 clearances a game. Uh, he performed a bit of a different role this year. He spent a lot more time up forward, playing on a forward flank and uh, providing that sort of link-up role for the midfield as opposed to being um, uh, set in the guts, as, as we've usually come to expect. Um, so I guess, obviously, the first question is, how do we think Travis went in 2017?
2: Look if, you look, if you look at his stats, like his averages per game, you'd say he had a good season. But in terms of actual impact during games, it seemed like he was lacking in a lot of them. Um, things like, I don't know, captain's goals. He kicked about half of them. And he got himself in a position to take a lot of them, which puts him in San grey territory in that respect. But it just felt like his impact was less than it has been in previous seasons, even if statistically he's probably stayed pretty much on track with it, I would have thought. Clearances are down.
0: I've, well, his clearances are down because he spent, uh, you know, probably 40% less time in the midfield as, uh, as he has in previous yeah. years. Uh, well, so they're, they're always so, going to be so, yeah. down. But I Absolutely. think, um, I think I don't know, I, I still feel like boki has been a little bit harshly done by this year in terms of the criticism that he's faced. I feel like, yes, he's had a, you know, probably two or three poor games. But outside of that, I think he's performed at a pretty good level. I think he's been—he was great through the second half of the year. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like he's maybe copped a bit more than uh, than he probably should have, to be honest.
1: But is he a true leader? Right. What is, is a true leader? Well, to me, a true leader is one that stands up when the game's needed, uh, when the game's on the line, and makes a meaningful impact to determine. The result and the course of the game. Um, so I guess he's our he's our captain. So that's what he's got to be judged on. And so, do you think that he is that true number one leader? Did uh, it, has uh, he perfor has he performed
2: like that this year? I, I don't agree. I don't agree with that assessment of that being like your captain. Really, I mean, there's been a prem, what, premiership captains that have been you know they're just solid players. Uh, obviously, a lot of non-premiership happens. Oh, Tom Harley's New one. Maxwell. There you go. Yeah, there's heaps. There's, there's, it's not uncommon. Like, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the time, the captain of the club is your best player. Absolutely. But that's not necessarily um, synonymous with leadership in that definition, on-field like. leadership. No, yeah, but, a, that's what you sounds not, like you're expecting Travis to be. Well, I'm expecting him to be,
1: when the, the time comes, he's our hardest player. He, he's making that impact and doing what needs to be done. You know, I'm think, I think back to all our Port Adelaide captains. And when the time comes that something needs to happen to spur and motivate the side, you know, they're there and they do it. I'm not completely convinced that Travis is.
2: Well, I mean, first of all, I'd say that I've never in his career seen Travis Boak take a backward step. Um, so as far as hardness, he's right up there. You, you could never, You could never criticise him for that. Um, But it's just about that impact. He's never had... He's never, I don't feel, had the most penetrating kick, except on rare occasions earlier in his career when he could slot a goal reasonably consistently. Um, uh, You know, he's he's not the most amazing player, but he's a bloody consistent one. Uh, And in a team that uh, is very clearly, and they've been saying it for, what, five years now, built on hard work and work ethic and putting in and being consistent. Like, he's pretty high up in that regard, for sure, at the club. Like, he'd definitely be top, what, three, the most consistent but, uh, player. This season's probably been his worst one, but you know, that's again, he, this Mike said, he's played a different role.
1: I'd love to hear what everyone thinks in general because I just think that our la- leadership over the last three years, especially, and has been really deficient and hasn't stood up enough. And that's what's really um, showed and what with our ladder position as well. Um, yeah, our leaders have been a little bit reckless at times, or they're just non-existent and disappear. And uh, and then it's been the the young players where the expectation of has being put on, which is great for development, but not necessarily for winning games. And uh, and I guess Travis, as the head of the leadership group, sort of has to be assessed on that.
0: I think Travis has been a good leader in the past. Like you know. He'd... In what was our best season in probably 10 or 12 years, in uh, 2014, he was a top four or five player across the whole AFL. Um, He Mm. had a wonderful uh, couple of years there. Uh, His season in 2013 is one of the best uh, leaders' seasons I've seen from a Port Adelaide captain in my life. Um, I thought he was absolutely stunning that year. Um, Has he slowed down a bit? Yep, sure, but he's also getting on a little bit as well. You know, uh, his body's copped a lot lot over the years um, and that's probably why he's performed a little bit of a different role this year as well and spent more time up forward. Um, Has his leadership been good enough? I mean, ultimately, you would have to say probably not this year because we've, and maybe last year as well, because we've failed in big games time and time again. Um, and when we've needed someone to stand up early in games, he hasn't been able to do it, and neither has pretty well anybody else in our leadership group either. So, um, as a podcast, I think this is probably going to be a little bit uh, of a critical one. Um, Is that all on Travis Boke's head? I don't think so.
2: No, because I mean, well, I mean, this, this is going to be a criticism, I think, of every player that we're going to talk about tonight, isn't it? Is that one of the things that really seems to be missing, and I guess this probably was more obvious in 2014 is like just the lack of team celebration. when We do well on the field, you know, Uh, the the lack of going up to a young bloke when they're screwed up and, um, you know, but tell them what they did wrong or just give them the pat on the back of reassurance or whatever else it needs doing, you know, like that seems to me as much as anything, what we've kind of lacked a little bit, maybe this season, just it's been a bit, maybe a bit too much. Everyone's trying to think too much about what they've got to do because the press is mentally demanding, um, and, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that's just had an impact, the remembering to do the small things that make a team, that make uh, leadership, uh, that uh, give the, the players a G up on the field, because that might be something where you could say that everyone at the club is lacking at the moment. Yeah. Hey, um,
1: can I just bring up for later, not for now, can we, we remember enough? before we finished that we, we need to bag out on Greg Denham for his comments on Hinckley?
2: <laughs> just do it now. Just get it done. Just
1: get it done. Come on. You're going to bag out on him. Let's go. well cool. Well, I mean, okay. Well, I just, because we didn't do it before, but I mean, what he said surely is the biggest pile of garbage. And why would you even go down that pathway to try and justify your argument, which, which was clearly not right, and then just bag out and say he hates the, hates the club, but he's just signed for four years. I mean, what a ridiculous thing to do.
0: If you can't stand the place, you're not going to sign a four-year contract, are you? <laughs> you're not going to sign yourself up long-term to a place that you can't stand. That just is logically so far away from any sort of reasonable explanation from anything that you could possibly think of.
2: It's it's kind of in the same category of I should have thought before I spoke as um, was it Paul Connors Dom his agent after he said that no one wants to go to Port Adelaide. Yeah. Um, Port Adelaide's a shit club, order or was, he said. Something ridiculous like that. Mm. Um, you know, when Dom's captain, it, it just seems in that same category of just completely inadvisable, why did he open his mouth? Just, just shut up. Just shut up.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's it. So the big question is, should Travis be captain in 2018?
2: Well, who's the alternate? Who do you have instead?
0: Well, we'll probably talk through those uh, that list of names uh, coming up. I think, but um, obviously, there's Ollie Wines, there's Brad Ebert, there's Charlie Dixon, um, there's potentially someone like Tom Jonas as well, uh, who might be able Dan to do Houston, Dan, yeah, bricks uh, boy Dan, Dan Houston, the, Dan the man, yeah, Dan the man.
1: Um, I I would say no. I think it's a new era, a new period. You know. Hinkley's now remoulding his team for, what this is this the second or third time. Um, I think it's a great time for Travis to be a mentor to a new leader and, uh, and hand over the reins. Fresh beginnings.
0: I'm happy for him to step aside and just concentrate on his football for the last couple of years of his career. Um, I think that would do him the world of good. My concern is that I don't think we've got anybody that's necessarily ready to actually step up and lead the football club.
2: Yeah, that's my concern. Um, uh, I know that I know the club wanted it to be Hamish, but it's not. Uh, I know that fans want it to be Ollie Wines, but it, I, I'm not convinced it is. Um, so if it, if they do a replacement, it's going to be Brad Ebert. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that they would pick Brad because it's a home run for the fans. It's he's a good player. He's obviously pretty well liked around the club. It would just, and having an Ebert for captain, that's very saleable for the marketing department as well. Let's face it. Um, so if there's going to be a change, I think it's got to be it, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. I think. Oh, I don't is... mind the top.
1: I don't mind the Tom Jonas one though either. No, I do.
2: He's
1: controversial, it... I know. But, no. Um...
2: You, you, I don't want him in the leadership group, and for the same reason, just play your game and concentrate on not getting suspended.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. It... Ah. <laughs> but I mean, I... look,
2: let's that second
1: his second suspension, like this one this year, was really not game worthy.
2: It was <laughs> yeah, not. He misses games every year, Rick, for suspension. Like that's every every year, or the last two years. Well, that's every year, and they're talking about a captain for next year, isn't it? Three years is about the life cycle of that sort of thing. Um, we're already well, how, talking about Boki was... being Boki's 2014 not being relevant anymore. So I don't see why um, uh, Jonas's 2014 would be relevant. And did he get suspended? How, I don't know. How how was Hodges
1: a captain? Did he get rubbed out every now and again?
2: Yeah, probably. It's a bit of a jump from uh, Hodge to Jonas, isn't it? And well, really, I'm Hodge, got, saying, off, Hodge sim- got off more weeks than he got, didn't he?
1: Similar, similar character yeah, attributes that we're talking about, though. But um, really. well, I don't mind. I don't mind Brad Ebert either. I think he's hard. But he 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 is what what I was saying before. He's hard. He's a hard worker. Puts his. You know, he tries to influence the game when it needs to be influenced. Um, you know, I guess if we're going to do that transition, could be could be worthwhile. It's a shame Jackson um, lost his place because he I thought he was a, an ideal candidate to be a captain, but obviously going into the ruck last year and just losing his spot through that out of the window. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, what
0: about Chad Wingard? Probably no. a wanganine type decision where I don't think like he would have to lead just by his actions on the field. I don't think he's the type that's going to sort of... Uh, Demand players sort of jump on his back and go along with him like a Primus or a Boke have done in in the past.
2: I think mm. the main, I think I don't think that's a great comparison because the one thing you could always say about oh. Gavin Wanganin is that he really tried hard to do the team thing. And yes, sometimes he was individually brilliant, but he was all about the team. And Chad, like this year, too, too often he you know, sprays at goal when he had other options, and he tries to make everything happen, which is great. But the way he plays is very much as sort of like a solo person within a team. Um, And that's not... I don't think that's really suited to captaincy.
0: Yeah. So on the speaker chat, Libby has said, uh, Ollie's not ready, but uh, has brought up potentially co-captains of Ollie and Travis. And uh, Magpies Power has said, Sam Gary is captain. That's
1: so funny. I would like
2: that. Obviously,
1: obviously, obviously he wants Rick to retire from following the uh, Port Adelaide Football Club. Um, (laughs) Well, if Brad Ebert's your logical choice, who would be your your smoky choice that might come through? Uh,
0: probably Hamish Hartlett, really. Yeah,
2: I was yeah. going to say, if, if you want a smoky that's going to make me horrified, it's probably Hamish Hartlett.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. I reckon it could be Hamish too.
2: Well, I mean, that's just in that age group, isn't it? Where the, we've got that weakness um, that we'd be well, ideally looking for. New that would
0: victims, be... It, yeah. Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll talk more about that when we come to Hamish Harley because we will be speaking about him. Um, okay. But geez, that would be. A, is... That would be a staggering decision to make. What about? Oh, an he's an a un... It's Justin Westhoff. Yeah. <laughs> oh please, though. <no. laughs> well, I would have said Jackson Trengove if he on. wasn't uh, leaving uh, and packing his bags right now, but. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, no. Westhoff plays. Look, Westhoff plays every game. He never gets suspended. He um, apparently knows the game plan because he gets to play every week. Um, I don't know. And he's, and he's always a bit loose, so he can go around and be supportive to other players but he wants to be because he's his left-leaders uh, loose man so much. You know, why he's not? He's probably got
0: another 10 years left as well.
2: He probably does. Why not? Why not? Why not? Oh, God. Why not? <laughs> I
0: saw, anyway. saw Jacko
1: Jam um, Jarman Impey at Next Gen Gym on, uh, when was it? Saturday, I think. Five minutes.
2: Oh, ago. so that's why you're there. You're stalking out players. Ah, got it.
1: There we go. That yeah. makes sense. Right, and, and then Rory, Rory Sloan was here on last Saturday with the testing out his appendix, so it's where all the uh, AFL footballers are going these days.
0: There you go. Let's move on and talk about Ollie Wines, who uh, is next yeah, off Ollie. the rank. Uh, 22 years old, he played 23 games this year. He averaged a career-high 27 disposals a game to go with six clearances um, and a career-high 4.2 inside 50s a game. He also added 15 goals uh, for the season as well, which was a career-high um so the, the first question I've got was uh was this his best season of AFL football? yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. when he yeah. average he, he you know he, he as much as I'm sort of saying oh on the field maybe not such a huge captain that's because he was constantly in the guts getting his head smacked in like he fourteen he averaged fourteen contested possessions, which is pretty bloody nice um yeah for for a centre square midfielder. Uh, clearance is six, which is kind of low. Maybe I don't know um, for, your, for your main guy, but yeah, you know, look, he's had a really consistent year. It's um, oh, there's a player I'm thinking of where he had a couple of quite seeming years, but it was actually actually really good. Probably Brady, but <laughs> mm. <laughs> kind of a Brad mm. but sort of season really in that he he did his bit and he had some good moments. Um, but you know, it's well, very thought... easy to
0: say. Yeah. The first half of his season I thought was excellent. And uh, yeah, if he were to make a, an All-Australian side at sort of round 11, I think he probably would have been in it. But um, he did sort of uh, fall away a bit as the year went on. Uh, did struggle through the second half of the season. And probably his three or four worst games of the year came through that back half of the year where mm. he just seemed to take too long to get going. Um, mm, I think about mm. the final against West Coast. I think about the Melbourne game. Uh, probably the showdown as well where he was just nowhere near it at half time and it took until after half time for him to uh, to really sort of get into the rhythm and, and get going
2: yeah um, I don't know it's kind of like a, well, this, I'm sure that people that are more familiar with horses will have a good horse metaphor but you know just that he keeps going the same speed all game and as the other guys slow down he keeps going kind of thing um, not saying that as a pace thing but just in terms of his endurance, he's an endurance animal. So, mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that he's he's not an explosive player. Cause he's never been really an explosive player, I don't think. He's always been a bit of a grinder,
0: which you need. Yeah, he's been unique. a grinder, which is fine, perfectly um, fine. And um, yeah, that's, that's what we grinders. want him to be as opposed to some sort of explosive player because he's never going to be that sort of player. But um, is it, it a does... bit of a concern that we seem to rely on him uh, to play well? Uh, because as I said, um, especially early in games, in, in games that we did struggle, probably our three or four worst losses for the year, while he was either poor or completely non-existent in those games.
1: Is he our Matt
0: Prittis?
2: No. He's
0: nah. more...
2: Um... Oh, gosh. I don't know. I have to think about it. Greg Williams. <laughs> <laughs> no. not not a Greg Williams either. A uh...
1: Don't I, I, mean, Don't I have to look, think. So, yeah. I guess he is a reliable player. He's a ball magnet and he really crushes the packs. Yeah. Um, you know, so, what's wrong with him being considered as a potential captain?
2: Nothing's wrong with it, but it's just that our midfield is going to have to restructure again next year, yeah. you think? Um, I guess we're talking about three players here in Wines, Ebert and Boat who like, you'd have to say they're all kind of grinders. And that's probably a big problem with our midfield, is that it's not very diverse in terms of player types. Mm. That's why when a guy like Robbie Gray or Chad Wingoes goes in the middle, there's such a a significant change in how he functions, unless they're shut down. Yeah. So that's probably something we could ideally work on. Um, But yeah, three grinders in our our leadership group.
0: (laughs) Mm. Mm. Well, I thought, uh, is he ready for the captaincy? I'm not sure he 100% is. Uh, I'm not sure anybody is 100% sort of ready. Um, as I said, like, you look at that second half in the final a uh, couple of weeks ago, and he he really tried to will Port Adelaide Footy Club over the line in that game. Like, he was absolutely excellent through that second half. But where was he when it mattered in the first half? Um, he was nowhere to be seen. And that's the concern for me, is that if he takes on the captaincy, takes on the leadership role, yes, he could possibly improve... Um, and that would be wonderful, obviously, but there is half a chance that um, he does get fatigued a bit more, does play on his mind a bit more, and we see a few more sort of poor games from him next year.
1: Is that him or the structures that he's coached to position himself in, though?
0: Well, it's probably a bit of both, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say you know, so. Yeah,
1: because, because we, we seem to be... Where you're referencing, like we were very structurally stubborn during that period of time. There was no real structural change, no personnel change, and we were just getting smashed. It was just like, you know, what? We're just going to stay with this until it works, and then it didn't work, and then we put Robbie Gray in the centre. Um, and I just, and it's been like that a few times. And so, I mean, it's easy to sort of blame the players because they're the ones there. But you know, you got to remember these kids probably don't. Uh, Ad and do a little bit of interpretive uh, dance, or so to speak, and where they should be going, and they probably just follow the coach's instructions. And yeah, I just I think there's a bit of both there, and uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't judge him too harshly on that.
0: What I did like yeah. was that he, um, he did spend a little bit more time up forward and was hitting the scoreboard more, and that's what I really yeah. want to see from Ollie. I, I really want to see him um, spend a bit more time on ground. And uh, spend a little bit more time up forward because I really think that uh, to get the best out of him, he's going to need to become a twenty to twenty-five goal a year player.
2: I agree. Um, I think that, and again, this comes down to our midfield structure. Like uh, with Wines, it's a little bit like it, and it's not that he's not can't be damaging, but that it's alright if he gets a certain amount of possession because where's it going to go to? But as soon as Ollie Wines starts adding goal kicking from the 50 or something like that to his game, then he becomes a much more damaging player for us in our current structure um, because we just don't... That's that's where we fall down. Like, we've got Polek who had a really great year and we needed him to, um, you know. Uh, but we really need that outside mid-type that can make Ollie Wines and Brad Eva and Travis spoke even in the middles make their grinding become something uh, rather than just sort of... Bombing it forward and then trying to turn it into something at ground level. Um, If it gets to ground level, that's the main problem for us in this final series, wasn't it? (laughs) Hoping it to get to ground level for us to do something with it. Yeah.
1: Um, mm. I I thought Ollie's 2014 was more exciting than this
2: year. Yeah, but that's not what you said. Exciting
1: is different to good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was still good, but it was just more, it seemed more impactful.
0: Potentially, yeah. Potentially was certainly between those two years. I think this was probably his most consistent year of AFL footy. Yeah. Um, but obviously the highlights from 2014 were probably better. Um, but then, I mean, if we did win against West Coast, that second half of that final would be talked about, uh, like his game against Frio in 2014 is, you know, because he was that good. But we'll move on yeah. and talk about the next player, which is uh, Brad Ebert, who's uh, 27 years old. Played all 23 games. Um, he had career highs almost right across the board this year 24.7 disposals, uh, over 7.5 tackles, 4 inside 50s, nearly 5 clearances a game. He had career highs in contested possessions and goal assists as well. Um, we know he's always been seen as this outside sort of extremist runner who gets in great position to receive the ball. Uh, Gut runs like a madman. Uh, Last year he turned into a bit of a tagger, but uh, this year he turned into an inside beast, and it it was a completely different role from what we've seen from Brad Ebert in the past. Uh, Do you think this current role that we saw from him in 2017 suits his skill set a bit more?
2: Uh, Look, it might do, but um, do you think it it suits the team as much as his previous roles? I think it does,
0: yeah. Yeah. I think it does. I really think it does. I think we needed a taller midfield in that midfield group. And with Brad Ebert at 188 centimeters, I think we got that. Um, I thought he had a wonderful year this year. Um, Was probably our most consistent player throughout the whole year. Again, I mean, you talk about sort of first half of the season, he was probably all Australian level. Maybe fell away a little bit through the second half of the year. Um, Yeah. But... I do think that he certainly had a significantly better year than what he did last year. Um, and, and I do think he was probably better than what he was in 14 and 15 as well. Oh, I don't know. 14, he yeah. ran the lines. Yeah,
1: he was a strong line runner. I, I think we don't see that as much under this new game plan as what we, we did in the past. But he did have a, a great year and he was a solid contributor, but... As I said last week, I'd like to see him morph next year into uh, into that uh, forward line midfielder because I, I think we could really utilise his tall marking ability.
0: Mm. I think, yeah, look, I, I loved his clearance-winning ability and he, he smashed his career high in clearances by a mile. And and same with contested possessions. And I think maybe the thing that cost us by moving Brad Ebert there was that we had no one to replace Brad Ebert. In his former role,
2: yeah, that's kind of what I meant with my question before. Mm. Um, is it, is it, yeah, it, it, he's performing well in that role, but um, is that the best setup for Port Adelaide? And that, that's probably where I have more of a question because we did need, like, you know, we saw Charlie Dixon doing that old Brad Ebert role as much as Brad Ebert did, really.
0: Yeah,
2: Dixon starting at half-back and running up to full forward—that's um, not great. Um, and you sort of think, like, if we had had Brad doing that, maybe we would have had less pressure on our forward line. Uh, even if his individual performance wasn't as good, would the team performance be improved by that?
0: Well, this is where I'm quite bullish on Joe Attlee coming in and playing hopefully every game he's available for next year because I, I think we need mm-hmm. that sort of inside mongrel, um, which would, again, free up Brad Ebert, would take a little bit more pressure off Olly Wines as well. Um, and again, like if we get Tom Rockliffe, I mean, he's he would be perfect to free up Brad Ebert again because um, he's essentially another Brad Ebert, really. It, it
2: feels mm. a bit like adding a grinder to release a grinder to play a non-grinder role. <laughs> mm. I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's how we should be doing it. Um, I don't know. I, I
1: like was going to ask you, uh, is Tom Rockcliffe another grinder that we're adding into the mix? Kind of. There's a lot it? of grinders
2: going on here. There is a lot of grinding. It's
0: a lot of grinding.
2: Because, I mean, if you're looking at impact, but on the other hand, I mean, Rockcliffe's a free agent, isn't he? So he costs us nothing. So that's that's the main reason to go for Rockcliffe is that it would be an injection of um, experience into our side that costs us no draft picks. That's the nice thing. Um, But ideally, we would want someone that could play that half forward role, really. I didn't win the lottery.
1: Bugger. That's a shame.
2: I know. I'm disappointed.
1: It's Macker's fault.
0: Yeah, it was my he negativity is, towards believe. that, which is why he didn't win yeah. it for sure. Yeah. I'm hugely disappointed. Very unfortunate. Uh, next player is Hamish Hartlett, who is uh, also 27 years old, played 21 games this year. He was almost the opposite of Brad Ebert in that he had career lows, or pretty well close to it, in everything, um, playing in his, his uh, new role down back. But. He performed the role exceptionally well, and I thought this was probably his best year of AFL footy as well.
2: Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a Rick, and I'm gonna say might have been, but it wasn't his most impactful. <laughs> Certainly not
0: his most impactful because 2014 was great through that midfield role. Um, yeah, that but was I thought, much. Oh, look. I came into the pre-season with, as you know, with zero expectations. I thought he'd be dropped halfway through the year. I was really not looking forward to seeing what he could do this year. But full credit to him, I thought he had a bloody good year.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess you'd ask the same question that we asked about um, Brad Ebert just now, which is that um, do you think he was more valuable in, to the team in that role than in another role he could have played?
0: No, but the question is, can he play another role?
2: Well, I mean, that is the main question, isn't it? Um, Because we have had questions, have wondered whether he could actually do that or not. Um, Maybe if he can't, maybe if the injury risk is too high or whatever else, then we're stuck with him being in this role no matter what. And sure, he's playing well as a halfback flanker, good. Um, I don't know. He still seems like an expensive one. It's,
0: it's, it is it's an expensive one, and he's it's probably not utilising his talent to its full potential. I would 100% agree with that. Um, but as we know, it seems like he's never going to play as a full-time midfielder ever again. Um, and look, given that he can't or won't play in the midfield, is how he played this year as good as we can hope from Hamish for the rest of his career?
2: Yeah, well, I unless mean, he becomes a uh, half-forward or something. Yeah, unfortunately.
1: Well, I was advised that he doesn't understand the midfield well enough to be in the midfield. So, that's that's um,
0: a bit weird. So he that's very doesn't weird.
1: understand, hey?
0: Doesn't understand what, the structures or the...
1: His ability to interpret and retain information isn't that great.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad we blew a, a top four pick on a, uh, on a midfielder that can't play as a midfielder. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of picks <laughs> blown since we drafted him, though, Macca. <laughs> Let's face it. True. Very true. Look, I don't know. I thought, given my expectations of him pre-season, I thought he performed well above uh, average from what I was expecting. Um, I thought there was a number of games where he had a really positive uh, impact on the result and uh, was in our sort of top three or four players on the ground in some of those wins. Um, and I thought he probably, there was only one disastrous game against Essendon where he got made to look a little bit foolish on occasion. But, I mean, I was expecting that sort of effort against Essendon every sort of second or third week, and it didn't happen, which uh, made me very, very happy. Yeah. mm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, Hamish,
1: so, I thought Hamish.
0: Do you want to expand okay. on that or what?
2: <laughs> Look, I mean, well, it's nothing we haven't just said. That we have set lower expectations for Hamish, and he achieved, he exceeded them. So, yay! Well, I guess, yay.
1: <laughs> but what's interesting is he was most influential when Broadbent wasn't in the side.
2: Well, yes, I think that if you had a, I think that as we slowly culled... Some of the defence a bit from what it got to you know in that second quarter of the season. Um, I think it's possible for defenders to have too many defenders around them, just making it difficult to keep track of what's going on. And you know, the more players you put back there, the more players the opposition has to usually has to put back there to, to match you. So, who's on who becomes more complicated when you've got eleven guys to look out for than when you've got you know eight. Yeah. <laughs> mm. mm. right.
0: So what are our expectations going forward for Hamish Hartlett? What uh, what can we expect from him next year? Same
2: again. Yeah, same th- again.
0: Do we think we might see him push a little bit further upfield, maybe, or maybe even on a forward flank?
2: Oh, look, it standard to those limitations. I mean, I'd love to see him on a half-forward flank because it's the area where you would believe his skill set would most advantage the, the team in terms yeah. of where we are weak and what he can potentially do. But if he's not, in, if he's not up to it, then it won't prove anything. It won't won't solve anything. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, uh, you you're
1: saying, Portia, earlier, you know, our forward line is very bereft of quality and influence, yeah. especially tall. Um, but you would think, like, because we've got, you know, Bonner showed enough, Houston showed enough. you've got Jasper, and then we've got Clury, Howard. Jonas, so there's a nice uh, six-player rotation. Maybe, uh, maybe the shift of Hamish to the forward lines would allow those uh, players to keep developing, and he could uh, provide some grunt in the forward half. The question is, can he play there? Yeah, well, can he? Is he fast enough to play there?
2: If you're looking at what you want in a forward line to make the opposition defence have a tough day, it's can they take a good mark? Can they be kicked too precisely, and do they have speed? Um, so, of those, the only one that we could really count on for Hartlett is probably can they be kicked too precisely. So, if we can get Hartlett in a position where he plays pretty loose and he can pinpoint guys in the forward line, like that's a huge. That would be a huge addition to our current side. Um, if he can't do that, if he can't either get free or he his accuracy is not there or whatever else, then that won't solve anything for us. Um, he's I would not like going to be so on a fourth
0: plane because I, I feel like he could become sort of like the modern day Stewie G, where we know he's got great foot skills he can hit targets he's proven that time and time again he can slot goals from any angle you know outside 50 without too much of a problem it seems but we just never play him there. so for me I think it's more about his defensive pressure and it's not good enough to play there. Um, he would let yeah. his opponent sort of run off too easily. I think that's a fitness
2: thing though, fitness endurance thing, as much as
0: focus. Yeah, I, think like, it's I mean, it's probably uh, a bit of both. And look, if Rick's right in that he doesn't play midfield because of lack of focus and he doesn't understand sort of the structures, then I can understand why he doesn't play um, up forward as well because of that.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, look, I think that if you look at Hamish Hartlett as like you a know, generic player and you look at putting that generic player in other clubs, like I think that there probably are teams where he could play a role. But we are so demanding of our half-forward flankers in terms of their um, endurance and run that I think that at Port Adelaide, he could struggle to play that role uh, oh. quite a bit. He would be uh, that's in probably by round
0: three, I would think.
2: Yeah, so unless we that. change the way we sort of attack and, and structure everything, then I don't see him being a half forward flanker. But I do do concede that there are probably teams that he could be a good half-flanker with his capabilities.
0: Yeah. Right, moving on and talking about Tom Jonas, who's 26, played 21 games this year, averaged 8.1% as 13 disposals, 5 marks a game. Um, look, he was back to his best throughout the season and was uh, obviously well deserved recognition as part of that uh, old Australian squad, which I thought was fantastic. But there's no doubt that he did cost us greatly towards the end of the year with his suspension.
2: Stop getting suspended, Tom. It's not funny. It's not great. <laughs> if if you're going to get it. suspended, save it for bottom eight years or bottom ten years, sorry. Yeah. Um, it
1: was great. Come on. He's tough. He had an awesome year, and he was, he was scape and he was scapegoated. I mean, look, it wasn't even it wasn't even report worthy. The guy took a dive, you know, and the fact that he got two games, any games for that, is really an embarrassment <laughs> on the AFL. And if he didn't, uh, if he didn't
2: have a it, shit record, he wouldn't have got two games, and he would have played a final, you know. Like it all, he, it all adds up. It's not like he's a he's, an a babe in the woods or anything. <laughs>
1: He's only got a, what he's he's done one bad thing. He elbowed one guy in the head, and right, and that's that's pretty much it. And he's being shit canned for that one brain fade, right? And yeah, look, it was a brain fade, but you could see what he was trying to do. Was he was just late? And he's had three uh,
2: suspensions in the last two years that have cost him weeks, Rick.
1: Uh, well, I can't remember the other one.
2: And one was a so. foil, which is just that's unforgivable, really.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's that bad. I, I, at least he's hard. But I mean, overall, he was back to form this year. I mean, he, one of his highlight games. Was
0: what,
1: yeah, he did. He kept Tom Lynch to zero goals, and it was was he even actually beaten this year
0: by an opponent. Look, very very rarely. I I can't remember a game where he was. Maybe the showdown. But I feel like he had a pretty decent showdown as well. Um, look, he had some stunning games throughout the year, no doubt. And was, in my opinion, by far our most, um, well, probably our best uh, defender in terms of his ability to shut down his opponent. Uh, no one else got close to him, I don't think. And that's why he was recognised as part of the old Australian squad, because defensively, I feel like his numbers would have been as good as any defender in the AFL. He
2: was second best for one percentage per game for us. Um, amusingly, the best one percenters was Dougal Howard. Who averaged, he's averaged 12.1 percenters a game in his four games, which is ridiculous. Mm. That's absurd.
0: Dukes. Good sign for Dukes. the future. Good old Dukes. Yes. But uh, look, Tommy Tommy was great. There was no doubt he was great. I'm, I'm just bitterly disappointed that he got himself suspended for a, for a final, and it probably did cost <laughs> us in the end. Um, oh. But look, outside of that, I'm really really happy he got back to his best. I know... I, you know, like he copped a lot of flack last year and, and probably the last couple, there was a lot of Port supporters who didn't think he deserved to be in the side. You know, some even wanted him uh, delisted at the end of last year. Uh, for him to come back from that and have such a good year, it's entirely possible he'll win the Best and Fairest this year as well.
2: I reckon there's probably, because of how it's happened, there's going to be some cognitive dissonance among Port fans about Jonas and how people feel about it. I kind of feel like we judge players more strongly on how they perform in finals than in the regular season. And in a way, it's like you've had a real stinker of a final. <laughs> like, in my mind, that's how it feels to me. And I know that not everyone feels that way. So, yeah, he, was he was,
0: might so be. the best There's no so so. doubt it was a letdown, but...
2: Huge.
1: Yeah. Mm. Mm. I'm happy to forgive him. And we can't scapegoat him for losing that final. But we should have won... Because we should have won the final regardless. We kept West Coast to a, a low enough score to beat them. And it was just our pure incompetence with delivering the ball inside 50. So, really, the defensive system held up without Tom Jonas. It was... The midfield and the lack of midfield in the first quarter, and our goal kicking, which cost us. It that was point. Jack
2: mm-hmm. Darling that cost us that Jack Darling response early when we had two key defenders, and one of them was a was a Howard. And that's not a slam on Howard. He's, young, he's a young his young player. That's exactly the matchup that you would have thought Tom Jonas would have got, Jack Darling.
1: Yeah. Nah, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm I'm not I'm not happy to cut that because if the midfield won any ball, Jack Darling would have wouldn't have got as many uh, access or avenues to goal. Our midfield stunk it up and didn't touch the ball.
2: So then you don't need defenders if you're only going to make the midfield accountable, Rick. That's exactly right. (laughs) If you're winning
1: winning the midfield, defence becomes a very easy game. And when you're losing the midfield, defence becomes a very difficult game.
2: It's only when you're losing the midfield that you need your defence. So what we're actually saying is that this is the time we needed him to play the most because we were losing Uh, in midfield.
1: I, I think it's I think it's I think it's poor for us to scapegoat Tom Jonas.
2: Well for a guy group. in the leadership group, which is the reason why we're discussing him tonight, I mean I, that's just he's gotta change how he plays. He's gotta he's gotta, you know. Um
1: So what so three, three, he sus- he three a,
2: suspensions in two years. Like that's a lot for a player, right? Like that's the so sort of record that gets a player talked about as being oh irredeemable thug pretty much these days, isn't it? Um no, they get they get called good blokes. No, nah, the Victorian ones do. <laughs>
1: So what should he he have done? Should he have let Dow House just run past him?
0: I don't know. He didn't need to stop, change direction and drop the shoulder into his head is what he didn't need to do, which is what happened. Um, Would him have running past him caused us any stress at the time? No, it wouldn't have. Um, It was unnecessary and that's why he got suspended for it. There's, There's no conspiracy theory here. He did something wrong. He got suspended for it. Yeah, but he in was just story. bracing
1: for impact. He was trying to block, and he, he braced, wasn't, and he was bracing
0: for. But you can't do yeah, that fifty meters off the ball, Rick. That's part of the rules. Mm. <laughs>
2: like, well, you, can. you can't pick somebody can. off
0: fifty meters off the ball, and when you do do that, because it does happen seven or eight times throughout the year, and seven or eight times people get suspended for it.
1: Yeah, yep. I just all right. I'm going in circles. I just disagree. I think Dowhouse flopped like a rag doll and Tom Jonas was scapegoated for it. And the contact was so minimal. It was just one of those blocks. And, yeah, it should have been a free kick, fair enough, blocking outside the play, whatever. But there's no way it should have been reported. And, yeah, you know, I mean, the coaches, I think, defended him. Bassett defended him and said, you know, he was doing what he was supposed to do, and that was just blocking a player. And, uh, but, you know, but overall, his season was quite influential as a leader. And I reckon he was probably our best leader for the season.
0: Yeah, quite possibly. Can he back it up again next year?
1: Why not? He doesn't rely on his leg speed. So um, so even if he... Lo- how, how old would you say is? 26? 26. 26, yeah. And so what? Yeah, He probably is not going to deteriorate
2: condition-wise. So I would hope he, he might even get plenty... a little bit better. Yeah, he gets
0: plenty of rest during the season. So, you know, that, mm. that helps. Can we fit all of Cleary, Homsch, uh, Jonas and Howard into the one team?
2: I think at the time that we re-signed Homsch, it looked like a reach and I kind of feel like it has been proven to be the case to some extent. Um, I don't know that we can. Don't forget Austin. Did you mention Austin um, as a guy that we have as an option? Um, I don't think we can play all four, no.
0: Mm. I mean, if can't we can't play if all we five. do... No, definitely not all five. But if we do play all four, look, I think we could possibly squeeze them in. I mean, Jonas would have to go back to playing on sort of smalls or mid-sized forwards as opposed to key forwards. Um,
2: yeah, it, whether that suits
0: mean... our sort of game style or not, I'm not sure. But look, I'm pretty keen to have Cleary and, uh, and Howard as our two main sort of key defenders this year.
2: I think probably what it'd mean would be turning homish back into a role he played earlier you know, um, with us, which is sort of like a Matthew Bishop tour that plays on the small marking types um, mm. where they exist. So, I guess it could work, but do I think it's the ideal way we can manage our list? No, I reckon you've got a I reckon we've got to lose a, uh, one of these key defenders because we've got five that can, are all AFL ready. Um, yeah. that's that's where we're at. So,
0: four is right. fine.
2: Four is depth. Five is excessive.
0: Speaking of losing someone, let's talk about our final player for this evening, which is uh, Jackson Trengove, who is uh, also 26 years old, played 19 games this year, averaged uh, 13 touches, 3 marks, and uh, kicked 17 goals in his 19 games. Uh, he kicked 12 of his 17 goals against bottom 10 teams, uh, so he did struggle against um, against the best sides in the competition. Um I guess the first question I've got is what were your expectations of him playing up for pre-season and do you think he met those expectations?
2: I don't know that I had expectations of him other than hopefully to be a presence and be useful to the team, but I just don't feel like he achieved that. Um, yeah, like... what you look at the role and in, and in Ruck like even in Ruck he didn't like when he was in Ruck I don't know that he did a lot like he had a couple of good performances for quarters but in terms of uh, what you would hope he would do in that role when he was assigned to it I don't think he really achieved it he's uh, a weird one he averaged three marks a game so that's a midfielder amount but he didn't have midfielder possession and he didn't have hit outs so that's kind of surprising low for a big guy in a forward line um or in Ruck yeah uh, he just didn't have that aerial impact that you'd want a tall player to have. That I guess that's probably my main criticism.
0: I mean well, he's, he's never really been a big marker, and... and maybe that's uh, a criticism of the coaches trying to turn him into a sort of marking key forward.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Like mm. he had the, just for, for reference, it's the same number of marks as Jake Need has a match. <laughs> mm. Um,
0: yeah. we know he struggled, and that's why he got dropped towards the end of the season. Uh, It it just wasn't working. My expectation, I thought if he could play... When it first came out that he was training up forward and likely to play up forward, I thought, I can understand why, because we don't want to play Lobie. Jackson Trengo will be a fine second ruckman to give Ryder a chop-out. If he can play as that third-toll forward and average a goal a game, I would accept that. Um but that was on the basis of him playing as the third toll forward and not the second toll forward, which he did play, and he still didn't average um, a goal a game. Uh, He was pretty well a non-event against good teams. Um, He had a couple of really good games against lesser teams. He was really good against um, Carlton, against Brisbane. Um, I thought he was incredibly influential in that game against West Coast late in the season. Uh, Played really well again against North Melbourne, who was, you know... Again, sort of bottom cannon fodder. Uh, But when push came to shove and we needed another tall target to stand up and help kick us some goals um, in some big games, he just wasn't able to do it.
2: I kind of feel like that his performance to a large extent was dictated by the press in that... Those, against those terrible teams where we were able to lock it in the forward line, I think the fact that we had locked it in a smaller amount of space meant his ability to run all around the place was less of a factor. Yeah. Um, but as soon as it became like, you know, we were having it in our half of the ground a fair bit and he had to run and do all these other things that, you know, we had Charlie Dixon doing. I think that's when it showed up as being far too hard for him to perform and that's when he didn't perform. Um, so in reality, when you're having him in a forward in 2017, it's kind of like saying we are counting on locking the ball on our forward line um, and that's how we'll get a performance from Jackson Trengo um, and that's probably maybe why he didn't play in the final because we couldn't expect that.
0: Yeah. Rick?
1: Yeah, I don't have much to say, really. I'm sad. I think we screwed him and he wasn't a forward and obviously that, um, that showed and... Uh, yeah, I mean, so what can you do? He's the team's evolved and life goes on. And uh, but you know, he was a great bloke and he was a great leader. And uh, you know, and as you pointed out last week, um, people can't diminish him winning the and Ferris in 2011. And he was a catalyst uh, for keeping the team and the unit together in tough times. And he should just always be respected for the contribution that he made to the Port Adelaide Football Club.
2: Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any doubt that he'll be respected by Port fans. Um, I certainly hope he's not a player we do if he goes to another club, um, because he's done. You know, he's done. He's played as hard as he can. He's done everything the coaches have wanted. Uh, he's never been the one to initiate saying I'm going to piss off home, um, or anything like that. He's been a good team man. Um, you know, it's just that Port Adelaide's moved past his role in our side, and that happens to players. It happens to players at every club in the league, and it certainly has happened to Port Adelaide players before. Um, and that's just where we're at. That's it. Yep. Well
0: said, I think. And we'll leave it there on that note for the player reviews. We've got some questions from the Big Footy Forum. Um, the first one I've got is from Andre. How big is the ideal leadership group, and should it be balanced across the ground?
2: It's changed. It's changed because I think that, I mean, look, I don't even know that it's an on field leadership group, and we talk about the leadership group now. I I, I feel like it's just as much as anything, it's like a training leadership group and a, you know, make sure the boys don't get into trouble off field leadership group. Um, You know, back in the day, you would have said, I reckon what captain, vice captain is good enough. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that's all you need to flip a coin, right? And point which way you want to kick and, you know, a few things like that. Um, But I guess it's just sort of, part of getting players to buy into the team and all that sort of thing I don't know, I, I can understand why they do it and it's not uncommon at clubs for to do it now so it just seems to be accepted practice
0: uh, five I, or six, I think I a guess. five man leadership group is probably fine, you have your captain, you've got your vice captain and then one leader in each part of the ground as well, I think is the way that I would sort of have it balanced across the ground I think um, mm. what are your thoughts Rip?
1: I'm the same as you, Macca. I think five, you know, one, two, vice, captain, three, three sub-leaders. Um, what was our record? Didn't we have eight one year or something? Um, yeah, that's uh, you know, yeah, but... pro- probably well... too many, but
2: uh, yeah, I think Honestly... the days of only having one leader has gone, though. Honestly, I, I, I would kind of like it if we actually named them the way you did just now, Maka. Like if we could say, okay, Tom Jonas is the captain of the defence or something like that, because I feel like that puts a bit of extra this is my responsibility, uh, as opposed to it being like this is our responsibility, yeah. <laughs> um, which I think I think that could be actually really useful for the players involved in leadership group to have that um, focus.
0: Yeah. Um, and this sort of leads yeah. on to a second question from Robert, What are your views on what constitutes good on-field and off-field leadership? <laughs> Well, I've already said my piece today.
2: I think I kind of said mine, which is going around and making sure that, you know, when a young guy stuffs up or is having a hard time, you're giving them advice on what they need to do. And, you know, if they kick a goal, then you go up and celebrate it. You know, even if it means doing a Darren Mead and running the length of the field to do it, you go up and do it. Um, so that's just kind of what... Yeah, Darren, that's just how it is. You know, I, I kind of think that is missing. Uh, it means that when you've like, got a 17-year-old, sorry, not 17 year an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old that gets smacked in the head or whatever else, then you go up and remonstrate. The um, ball's not in the area anyway. Uh, you know, like just those little things, I think that that's on-field leadership as much as anything else is that, uh, you know, that the players that are beneath them feel that they've got their back, not just, you know, if they prang their car, but, you know, on the field, which was where they're being judged on performance.
0: Hmm. I-, um, I think you need a... To be an on-field leader, I think you need to have the game the game plan absolutely worked out in your own head because you That's need to true. be aware of where everybody else is if they're performing their role correctly, if they're standing in the right spot, if they're sticking to structures. Um, I feel like to be an on-field leader, you need to be uh, granted the permission to make changes on the fly uh, if you feel like on the ground something's not working, um, maybe you change a match up. You know, if you're Tom Jonas, maybe you go to a different forward and uh, move Tom Cleary to someone else, or make that sort of change on the fly. Um, in terms of off-field leadership, I mean, as we know, you know, it's a full-time uh, job these days. Like, it's not you know training after work twice a week and then play on a Saturday and that's it anymore. You know, they're at the club pretty much all day every day. Um, so there's a lot uh, off-field that, um, that the leadership group do have to take on as well. And that's, you know, obviously promotion, it's dealing with corporates, it's making sure that uh, young players develop, it's, you know, liaising with all the coaches properly. Um, it, it's everything. I think it, it really is a full-time job. And oh, I've got great respect for all the leaders across the AFL that uh, that take on that sort of role because uh, it, it wouldn't be hard. Uh, sorry, it wouldn't be easy, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, well, you make a good point there. So you've got to have good communication skills. You have to have a good good brain for the game. Um, you know, be able to use your judgment. Um, you've got to be able to be physical, put your body on the line, um, show leadership through sacrifice, um, which means maybe doing something that you don't want to do. Uh, it could be maybe even taking the best player and, and nullifying them as best you can. Um, yeah, I mean, they're all the things that a good leader needs to be doing um so i guess saying all that maybe maybe bratty but is the man you know because he does do all of that yeah
0: yeah i think that's fair
1: it's a very underwhelming (laughs) yeah yeah
0: i was just just waiting for portia to say something first
2: yeah well i mean i'll give you my something my something is that what we already kind of said which is that i think that i the lot we've got right now, Ebert is probably the natural choice. Um, do I think he is an ideal choice? Probably not. But we don't have an ideal choice, so that's all right. He, he was, was the um, he was the
1: under eighteen state captain, wasn't he? Yeah, but so was Partlet, So you know. And so, and so was Wingard. There you
2: go. That's
1: true. So we're flushed with leaders. And Snelling yeah, as well. Apparently.
2: Yeah, Snelling. Yeah, good old Snelling.
1: Oh, let's yeah. make him captain then.
2: Yeah, to it, For something
1: random.
0: Would
2: be good. He's a good... He's a good... He's a good... rookie captain.
0: Rookie-less captain. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, last but certainly not least, um, the Port Magpies are in a grand final this week on Sunday. Um, <laughs> I am pretty bloody excited about that, to be honest. Um, it, it is a pretty good team that we've named. Um, there are a few... Players that have come back into the side: Bonner, Howard, Marshall, and Jakey Need come in. Cracker uh, misses out with a hamstring and uh, stupidity, and uh, poor old <laughs> Peter Adams has been omitted, unfortunately.
2: Oh, poor bugger! Mm.
1: Oh. <laughs> we haven't had to drop. We haven't had to drop Sumo, have we? No. Imagine the uh, out. Imagine the outcry if that had to happen.
0: No, Sumo's playing, so that's uh, that's certainly good. Um, we, there's obviously restrictions on how many AFL players can play, and that is why um, Laddams has been omitted. And given that we've named a five-man bench, I would assume that uh, it is likely that Cam Hewitt and Emmanuel Ira will probably miss out as well.
1: Yeah, it should be, should be good. Um, yeah, Maggie's been won for, what, 18 years or something? So... You know, the, it'll be good for the club to win something, and it'll be good for those boys to play in a high-pressure environment, like with something on the line, even though it's at the second-tier yeah. level. But a couple of those still... boys
2: just played in a final that you'd think would be higher risk than I don't know, but the yeah, first well, extended-time uh, final. So you well, know, I it's, it's... getting much higher pressure than that.
1: Mm. Well, it gives, them a, it gives them an opportunity, though, to, to still play
0: and, and oh, yeah. in that
2: well, the guys and under pressure. Play, yes, absolutely. Yeah. For guys like so, yeah, Willem Drew and actually. Logan Austin yeah. and
0: Joe Attlee, Todd Marshall, um, Dugues, uh, even uh, guys like Palmer, um, I think it's going to be really, really beneficial. And certainly someone like Aiden Johnson as well, who's he's still yeah. very young in his football career too. I think it's going to be super beneficial to play under that sort of pressure um you know, this is what you play footy for, is for grand finals. And doesn't matter if it's a reserves grand final, it's still a granny. And uh, you still want to smash it.
1: And if yeah. we win, you know, it might be a good way for players like Archie and Young and even Palmer who might be on the way out.
2: If we win, win say- won't it be, Will- be, Will- be Willem Drew's fourth premiership in a row? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. I think he's wow. played three at Croyte before being drafted, so if hmm. he wins the Premiership now. That's a pretty good record.
1: <laughs> He's the winning man. The well, best-case he
0: scenario here is, obviously, Matty Lobey wins uh, the Jack Odie medal, I think, and uh,
2: <laughs> suddenly becomes a wanted
0: man across the AFL. Yeah, yes.
2: yeah. Uh, uh, there was an article somewhere, I think it might have been the Herald Sun, talking about, you know, why is this high-performing BFL Ruckman not getting drafted, is the headline. And it's like, I I just need to scroll down and see how tall he is. And it's like, yeah, 197 centimetres. Okay, cool. Uh, It's just kind of funny how we look at second-level foremen still say, yeah, no, they should be doing this. And it's just really a big step. And it just becomes a bigger step every year, doesn't it? Mm. So Jack Odie for lobby, well, you could say, hey, look, he's he's back on form. It's like, no.
1: If we kept 200K a year of his salary, would you you offload him if we could? I'd
2: offload him for nothing, yeah.
1: Yeah, but if we had to absorb 200k of his salary,
2: well, I mean we're already absorbing all of it. So, yeah, sure,
0: I would um, pay him out for his entire contract this year, include yep. it in this salary cap, and move him on. Yep. Yeah, yeah, mm. because I mean we've talked, you know, we've talked or oh, certainly Mac has talked
2: about it uh, with the um, SNFL team how we had too many tall players in it. Uh, I wonder why. Um, and it's if, you, like, even if he's, he's just playing SNFL, he's kind of damaging to our team, to our, the development of our players at that level. Um, so, yeah, no, it's better for us if he just doesn't play. And if we can, I don't know, if can we leave a lift spot free? I, I kind of feel like we're at that point with Lobby, where it's just better to not have him around at all. The good thing is
0: that with the uh, CBA increase, um, that actually impacts this season, this current season. So every club suddenly has an extra couple of million dollars to play around with this year. Um, okay. So it really bye does bye. give us the chance. Like <laughs> if we don't want to have him on the list, if we really don't think that he's going to play any AFL footy anymore, what's the point of having him on the list for another two seasons? I think it's just better off just to pay out his contract now, include it in yeah. this year's salary cap because the space is there, and say thanks for your service and move on. Totally
2: agree. Yes, um, yes. and that'll, that'll give us better development at SNFL Level 2. Correct. Yep. Oh, Lad- us
0: La- All right. I'll, Ladims, uh, I'll type up the letter be and, being... uh, and send it off.
2: <laughs> well, Ladders wouldn't be being dropped if we'd done it this year, wouldn't he? We'd have, we would have had Ladders playing in the Grand Final this week. That would have been good for him. So. Yep.
0: Would have been good, but... Uh, well, he may not have... He still may not have played anyway, but...
2: Well, without a lobby?
0: Yeah, potentially. Hmm. Not sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, don't
1: know. Don't know. He's, he's playing, so we've got to suck it up. It's mm. not his fault that we gave him a five-year contract.
2: No, no well, that's true. That is our fault.
0: <laughs> it is, it is true. Fault. It is true. We gave it to him. So uh... I mean,
2: it depends on whether you think it's a fault to not be as good as your manager says you are. <laughs> is that a fault?
0: <laughs> well... well I don't know. We'll talk about I that I, I in, was... in his player review, I guess, in a couple of weeks' time. But, yeah, I yeah, mean, but... at the end, I, I still feel like the decision that was made at the time was a just one. No. Um Unfortunately for him, he's just regressed at a super rate of knots. If um, you
1: remember, and I've said it before, I highlighted him back then, he wasn't as good as what people were thinking. And
0: if I could see it...
1: One should be
0: able to that. Hey. sure but there's not there's not being as good as what people say you are and then there's just regressing to the bottom level which is that where he's at right now uh, which yeah. is a shame um, but look you know at that point in time we didn't have Ryder did we so for all yeah, intents and purposes years. he was going to be our lead ruckman for you know five years
2: yeah, that was mm. the problem, though. Like that—that's why you don't do those ridiculous contract lengths, and you know that's why you don't give a coach a three-year extension on top of one he's already got. You know it's why we haven't learned? We haven't learned. We haven't learned from Lobby. That's the thing that would be annoying the most if we cut him is that we obviously we obviously have learned nothing with him clocking up our list. So there you go. We still keep throwing out the big contracts.
0: Mm.
1: That's it. it's what we do.
0: All right. Well, mm. hopefully it's a winner God. for the Maggies. I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. Rick, are you going?
1: Yeah, I reckon I might
0: mosey on down and and check it out. Why not? Got nothing Mm. else to do. That's the way. I think I'll be working, but if I can get out of work, I'll certainly try and uh, make my way down there as well. We'll have a beer before the game. Yes. And, uh, look, no matter what happens, I think uh, hopefully we win, and I'll definitely be at Alberton after the game celebrating, I think. Good work. Good work. Yes.
1: Hey, let's have, let's, have a, let's have a quick let's have a quick competition. How many people, will, if we win, will be at the Alberton after party?
2: Oh, How are you, you going to count them?
1: Three thousand. I'm sure that I'm sure there'll be estimates in the paper. A
0: couple of thousand. You reckon already? three thousand. Yep. You
1: reckon three thousand. Yep. I oh, have no idea. Yeah, I'll go with I'll go with a couple of thousand. I reckon two.
0: I hope all Port Adelaide supporters get to the game and really support the boys because I feel like the young players need it and they'll need that support. Um, You know, with how the SANFL is set up these days, like, you know, only Port supporters are wanting Port to win this flag, (laughs) uh, which I guess is what we like and and how we want it. Um, But I I really hope that uh, we outnumber the Sturt fans there and, uh, you know, are, are pretty vocal as well. Mm. I
1: just I just want to hear uh, David <gasps> cry on radio that's all I
0: want to hear <laughs> That'd okay. be good. in any case let's uh, uh, leave it there for tonight thanks for coming on guys
2: hey you're welcome Thank
0: you. and we will, out uh, we will be back on Monday Fantastic
1: hey all just right. before we go is there any uh, more trade rumors macca uh,
0: not that I know of mate
1: no. Nothing else has been thrown up and about?
0: I don't think so. I think Motlop looks uh, looks the goods at this point. And Tom Rockliffe, I've, I think some uh, Victorian clubs are throwing some crazy money his way. So I don't think we're in the box seat to get him. But I feel like we're in the box seat to get Motts. Mm. Mm. But all will come out soon. That's for sure. Yes. Very, very exciting. Mm. All right, guys.
2: So, All right. the Maggies. Bye. Bye. now caught. Port Adelaide are beginning to build. Foster's kick is through half-forward. Knocked away by Hodges. On the run is Rowan Smith. Bends it to the goal square.